Sean. Sean. Yes. Sean. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. Let's start. and I podcast. This is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. With me, I have the left nip to my right nip, Sean McCoy. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Let's tell a story, Sean, shall we? Okay. Since that's what this is about. We just got back from Portland. Tell the story. Did you have a good time in Portland? I did have a good time in Portland. We were there for what, Sean? I don't know, a few days, Thursday to Sunday. I left Monday morning, you left Sunday night really late. The answer I'm seeking is XOXO Fest, Sean. We were there for a specific reason, XOXO Fest. How would you describe XOXO Fest? It's kind of a tech creative convention where there are a lot of different people giving talks and seminars. It's not really a tabletop show at all, though they have a small tabletop section there to highlight different creators. And we've been invited the past several years to run two rooms in a boom, uh, more as like an entertainment event for guests than it would be like at a normal show like Gen Con where we have a booth and that sort of stuff. We're more there to entertain the attendees. Yeah, it's like a sideshow that we are. The way that I explain XOXO Fest is it's TED Talks, but for technology hipsters. People that have some latent great ideas. It definitely is on the progressive side. For instance, when we walked in and you get your badge, you also get a pin for your pronouns and which ones you prefer. Do you want to be called he, him, she, her, they, them? Those pins were available for us. But you don't have to take my word for it because, Sean, what I'd like to do is have... Andy Bayo, one of the Andys, Andy Bayo and Andy McMillan, who run XOXO Fest. I want Andy Bayo to explain what XOXO Fest really means in his own words. This I stole from YouTube. It's his opening remarks from 2012 at XOXO Fest. Take a listen. How is this even happening? It makes no sense. This is insane. Okay, okay. I just want to get this out of the way. A lot of people have asked, why XOXO? Why the name XOXO? And the answer that I usually give is that this thing, whatever this thing is, is about love. It's about everyone using technology to make a living doing what they love. And that is totally true. But last night, talking to all you people, I started realizing something interesting about the name. It is a filter. You know, there's huge parts of the internet that are devoted to snark and cynicism and people who love tearing apart other people's work. Uh, but that is not what we are into. We love people who make things and who are excited and passionate about something, anything, and who love talking about it. And we love people who love people that make things. It's so hard to make something new. 
and to put it out into the world, it takes a unique kind of bravery to do that. Just knowing that that other group is out there waiting to poke at you and tear it apart. And it is so, so much easier to just sit back and criticize something that someone else is doing than doing that. So when we put something out in the world called XOXO, we think that it becomes a filter for a particular kind of person. It's the kind of person who's willing to put their time and their energy and their money into something completely new and unknown that is named after hugs and kisses. <laughs> Okay, so that, to me, is not a dark and cynical person. It's someone who's hopeful and excited about things and trusting. Thank you so much, and we hope you have an amazing time over the next three days. Welcome to Portland, and welcome to XOXO. Any highlights from the show, Sean? Uh, well, we went to a drag show brunch with Crystal and Lindsay and some of Crystal's family, and that was a ton of fun. That's right. We brought our significant others. When Sean says Lindsay, he doesn't mean Lindsay Road. <laughs> no, no, no. He means Lindsay, his other half. So we all went to a drag brunch. This is a drag brunch? Yes, the waiters are in drag, and they say catty things to you. It's fun. Oh, look. Here comes our waitress now. Wow. Good morning, bitches. <laughs> the good Lord named me Tawny Pockets. Oh, this might be more fun than I thought. Might be, and you might be the worst lay in history, at least according to that bag of lotion and what it said, Ocur. And that was a lot of fun. We also got to play, I guess what we're calling right now, Tooth or Bear, which is a game by Jennifer Abeley. A friend of ours, uh, more a friend of yours. You've known her for a lot longer than I have. I just met her in person for the first time, but that was a lot of fun. She's a dame, Dame Yennefer, as I like to call her, and she's married to Sir Nick. They were on our Kublacan episode, but go on, sir. Yes, we played Tooth or Bear. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm totes excited about Tooth or Bear, which is a great segue into our new segment, which we're calling... Sponsor spot! Insert sponsor staying here. Sponsors! Yay! Thank you for sponsoring us! Send us free stuff or money! And we'll talk about your stuff! But only if we like it! Ha ha ha! I came with a prototype version of Tooth or Bear and also another game that I've been working on, Dinner of Doom. But XOXO Fest wanted us to try out a whole bunch of new Two Rooms in a Boom expansions. I brought Mission Impossible. I brought Two Rooms in a Groom. I brought Rosham Boom. Point is this, Sean. How did those components look? They were gorgeous. They're really good, particularly for a prototype. Exactly, prototype. And where did we get them prototypes made, Sean? We got them from GameCrafter. The GameCrafter.com for all of your prototyping and maybe even publishing needs. GameCrafter.com, that's right, they've now sponsored us, Sean. So I said we talk about them for a little bit every episode. 
You think we've talked about him enough this episode? Well, I just wanted to say one of the cool things about GameCrafter is it, it lowers the barrier to entry for new creators. It can always be very scary to start a new venture like creating a game, designing a game, building a board game company. But tools like the GameCrafter mixed with Kickstarter, um, you can really go from idea to completion very, very quickly, which is is always super impressive to me. We do mass production, like in China, with companies like Watts Games or Panda. For these small print runs that we've been doing, it's been, for prototyping particularly, it's been a godsend to have a company like the GameCrafter around. Two big things right here. Number one, having a fully produced game with just one print run really makes a difference. And I have plenty of stories I'm sure I'll share in future episodes where people thought the game was better when realistically it just looked better. And the Game Crafter can help you do that. They have great chat support, etc. The other thing is exactly what you said. I only one copy of all of these prototypes because that's all I needed. Instead of having to go the long route of ordering thousands of them to save ourselves some scratch, we went ahead and just got one copy each. I'm happy that we're sponsored by the Game Crafter because I don't feel abashed to talk about them because we actually requested the sponsorship knowing that we would use their products. <laughs> now that that obligation is fulfilled, I have a story for you, Sean. You ready for my story? Yes. So, I had a red eye from Portland to Cleveland. What does that mean? I don't know why it's called the red eye. It just means an overnight flight, though, or an early morning flight. Yeah, it's also weird that it's called the red eye because as a child, I always knew that the red eye meant when you moon someone and spread your cheeks, that's known as showing them the red eye. But anyway, in this term, it just means we had an overnight flight. So my wife, Crystal, and myself... We left at 11.30 was our flight, and we didn't get in until 9 o'clock in Cleveland, 9 a.m. in the morning. Now, the reason for that is because of the time zones, because of Portland, Oregon versus Cleveland, Ohio, total east time zone versus west time zone. But what was the problem, Sean, with me landing at 9 o'clock? You had to go to work, I'm assuming? I had my first class for the semester starting at 10 o'clock. So I had to go right to work, and man, I was tired. Woo! That story wasn't so good, Sean. How about we tell another story? <laughs> sure. I have another story from a knave who wants to be a knight. Listen to this, Sean. Hi, Sean and Alan. My name is Travis. I am the founder and only employee of Brouhaha Games, and this is my Knave to Knight submission. So this story is about getting non-gamers into a game and making them feel really comfortable with playing by using outside resources. So back when I first started gaming, one of the first party games I got into was Werewolf. Werewolf is very accessible. Anybody can play it, you can teach it in two minutes, and everyone generally seems to have a good time. But occasionally, get people who just aren't really into the game. And that's alright, but I like to do things to sort of lighten up the mood and get people more involved in playing, without pressuring them in any way. In this particular instance, I noticed a few people were kind of checked out. They were there, they were playing, but they weren't really necessarily interested in the game, so I thought, what can I do to make this more interesting? 
In the old version of Werewolf, before Ultimate Werewolf, there's a version called Werewolves of Miller's Hollow. It came with these big, chunky tokens, really great production quality. But another thing it came with is a little necklace for the mayor. So you would vote on who the mayor was, and the mayor would get two votes every night, and they'd wear this little necklace. While I noticed people were kind of checking out of the game, I decided to look over to my cat, who was sitting on the chair next to me. I have a black cat, perfect for a game of werewolf. I said, I nominate Salem to be the mayor. And everybody just kind of froze for a minute and then busted out laughing. And everybody voted for Salem to be the mayor. That night, when it was time to vote, I go, Salem, what do you vote? And I, I looked at him in a way that I knew would make him give a little meow, and he did it. And everybody sort of lost it. From that point, everybody was very invested in the game, very checked into it. I think Salem was voted mayor almost every single round for the rest of the night, which was really great, until he wandered off to go eat some tuna. The moral of the story is, I think it's important to try to engage people when you're the host of a game night or a game group. You can't force people to have fun, but you can try to create an environment where they will have as much fun as possible. Any thoughts on that story, Sean? I'm really a dog person, so my thoughts are people are overly amused by cats in general. But that being said, that's a pretty good story of a cat being pretty goddamn adorable. <laughs> yeah. One of our squires that's worked our booth, Solomon, he has explained for years, anytime someone explains a really amazing cat, it sounds like they're explaining just an okay dog. this cat totally comes when i call it and the cat's really affectionate and cuddly and totally listens to me when i talk to the cat this cat's amazing i just went and picked up my dogs um they stay with my parents uh when i'm at conventions and things like that or when Lindsay and i travel together and they're huge they're big 95 pound mutts but when they stay with my parents my brothers who live there have little dogs very very little dogs one named cash one named disco And Cash and my dogs don't get along, but Disco and my dogs get along really well. So I come home and they're just running around outside. They get my shoes just all muddy. And they're really excited because my parents live in a two-story house with a backyard. And Lindsay and I live in a one-bedroom apartment. (laughs) So they're excited because they're outside all the time. And it's funny because when I show up, they're very much like, Oh my God, you have no idea how great this place is. (laughs) And that's like their general mood is they want to show me like what the backyard is like. And it's like, fools, I grew up here. And there have been several occasions where I've tried to get them in the car to leave, and they've just sat down and been like, nah, (laughs) I think we're good here. I've had to be like, seriously, get in the car. We're leaving now. But when we start packing up, they pick up on that. Like if I put one of their crates in the car, they're just losing it because they they know there's like a 90% chance they're going to my parents, to grandma and granddad's house, where they will have basically free reign of an entire house and backyard. So it's always really fun to get to see them, but a little bittersweet because I know that they're like, oh, man, these assholes again. I could do an entire podcast all about our dogs. The closer we get to my childhood home where they get to run around free, the more and more they whine. They're really excited to get in the car at first, but mile by mile, you can start to see them shake. By the time we're pulling up the driveway to my childhood home where they know they can run around like crazy jackasses, They're whining and howling like crazy. 
It's ridiculous. But hey, we shouldn't be talking about dogs. We should be talking about if we're going to knight Travis or not. Should we knight Travis? And if so, what should we call him? Sir Kitty Mayor? Ooh, that's a long title. I mean, we could just call them Mayor Kitty. Instead of Sir, just forget the knighthood. Uh, Sir Kitty Town? No. What do you... Sir Where Kitty? Sir Where Cat? Sir Where Cat? Where... Where Meow? Meow? Where, where Meow? Sir Where Meow? Where Meow? Where meow? meow Wolf. Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf? Sir Meow Wolf? Yep. I think that's where we got Sir Meow Wolf. Hey, look at that. <laughs> Enjoy that, Travis. All right, let me look at my script really quick. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Meow Wolf of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Meow Wolf, Travis, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! Sean, when's the last time you played Ultimate Werewolf, or Werewolf, or any of the werewolves, really? Uh, we played it for my mom's birthday in September, like a year ago, so it's been a little while. Did you play with any cards, or did you just do the old campfire example where you just tap someone on the shoulder? No, we were at my parents' house, so it's very difficult to navigate around. Everybody's like sitting all over the place, so we just played with cards. Gotcha. Were the official Bezier Games Ultimate Werewolf cards? Absolutely. I never play without my official Bezier Games Ultimate Werewolf cards. Why are you saying it like that? You sound like such a shill. It's just a legit question. I know. It was just the way you said it made me think of it that way. <laughs> okay. You're just echoing what my tone was. My question is, you've heard of Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, right? Yes, but I don't know much about it. It just sounds like nonsense to me. It sounds crazy to get that many people together and go through an entire legacy-esque. But I can't criticize it yet, because I don't know. I haven't played it yet. So let's end this episode with a little table talk segment. It's time for a table talk. Sean, what games did you get to play in Portland? I played uh, Toother Bear, and I played uh, some Two Rooms and a Boom, and I played some... That's not Lemonade. And then I played Hardback by Tim Fowers, which I really liked. Deck building, Scrabble type game. It was a lot of fun. Lindsay had never played a deck builder before. So it was really interesting to teach her the concept of deck building. But You're she coming into the elevator, Sean. You are... what? What's a famous author? Sylvia Platt. That's a writer, right? Sylvia Plath? Plath, yeah. Wait, who's the one that committed suicide that was really depressed all the time? Hemingway, Sylvia Plath, Robert E. Howard. Yeah, Sylvia Plath, right? You're Sylvia Plath, Sean. Uh, ding him, SBJ. Um, hi. I'm Sylvia Plath. And this is Hardback, a game where you make words out of cards, like Scrabble, but... Every letter you play gives you points or coins. And with the coins, you can buy better letters that have powers. These better letters belong to genres like horror or mystery or romance. When you play a word, if your word contains letters from the same genre, 
like two horror words. Special powers might go off a la Star Realms or Ascension. And it's pretty fun. Okay. Man, that sounds pretty depressing, Sylvia. Have you ever read any Sylvia Plath? A long, long time ago. Not recently. She did stories and poems, correct? Am I crazy? She's mostly known as a poet, but I believe she wrote a novel called The Bell Jar, which is, I think, her only novel. But she's primarily known as a poet. And she wrote short stories, too. Gotcha. Uh, What have you played, Alan? Well... The first day there, I got to play with our friend Jonathan Liu. I played Root with Jonathan Liu, Barkley, and Sir Nick. And Root is a total asymmetrical game. And what I mean by that is that there's four factions and they each play differently. Uh, The creators of Root are the same people that created Vast, which is another asymmetrical game. Think of it as risk, but every faction has its own abilities and its own way to get victory points and the first faction to get the 30 victory points wins the game the factions are for lack of descriptor kitty cats and the kitty cats meow they win by building there's the birds they win by planting roosts and the more roosts that they have then the more points they get every round then you have the wilderness animals they get points when they cause a revolution and an uprising. And then there's the Vagabond, which is this raccoon character that gets points for selling and trading garbage and sometimes attacking, but basically using items and manipulating items. It was pretty interesting, but the amount of time between turns and playing for the first time, my general opinion is this. It's going to really kind of hurt the first time you play But it leaves you with this feeling of, oh my goodness, I think next time I play, I may want to try it this way or that way, which is usually a good sign of a game when it kind of sucks a little bit the first time you play, but you're curious to play more. Not sure how good of a description that was, Sean. Rate me on my description. Out of what? Out of Cronenbergs. How many Cronenbergs do I get? Three Cronenbergs. Cool. Well, Sean, this has been a really quick episode. Is there anything else we should talk about? Nope, I've got to go. We had a blast at XOXO Fest. Please write in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com with your Nave Tonight submission. Spelled with a K. Also, tweet us, follow us on Twitter at PlayTKG. And the best thing you can do to support the podcast at this point is do what, Sean? Uh, the best thing they could do is leave us a review on iTunes. With that being said, I think this episode is finished. No, say it Sylvia Plath style. Finished. episode 148 of the tuesday night podcast quick shout outs the andes for throwing a kick-ass show known as xoxo fest portland baby also our sponsor the game crafter 
the SNL YouTube channel for that short little clip about the drag show brunch. <laughs> All right, I'll see you next week. Have some fun. Woo! I gotta read me some Sylvia Plath.